0: Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is the Dave Kittle Show. All right, everyone, welcome back into part two, speaking with Dean Volk, physical therapist who had exited and sold his two locations of Volk Physical Therapy, sold to Cora rehab or core physical therapy. So welcome back in, Dean. We had left with a potential cliffhanger there about your situation where the original offer early or pre-COVID was X. And then when COVID happened, the deal kind of cratered and just fell apart. That particular potential buyer said, you know, hey, Dean, can you kind of give me, can you give me a year to work on all this? And then you had replied in the past episode that if another deal came across you know, your desk, then you would have to consider that and you know, obviously you'd have to move forward. So you uh, then linked up with a broker and that individual was able to uh, get more offers. I think you mentioned at least two or three competitive offers from mm-hmm. mid-tier or larger groups. You had mentioned that they submitted offers either at or around that potential asking price. So let's just start right there.
1: Yes, initially, I got a offer for the asking price, which was basically twice what I had originally agreed upon to the offer that fell through. So I was more than happy to take it, very relieved to take it as a matter of fact. But obviously with COVID, with all the different regulations, the mandates, my business was not doing as well through the middle of the year, naturally, just because people were scared to come out of their homes. People were masking. They weren't trusting. Though we were still functioning as a um, profitable business, the numbers that Cora had agreed to, when Cora submitted an offer, my numbers were at such a level that now they obviously came down, it was about 30 to 40% monthly income just simply due to COVID. And so they started to put some stipulations saying, okay, we will give you that amount. If you can get back to 95%, of pre-COVID before the sale, which was going to be in November of 2020, and who knew when COVID was going to be ending. And the numbers kept dropping and they kept wavering. And I finally just said, look, here's what I'm willing to do. I am not probably going to hit. I, I said I may be able to hit the 95%, but even if I do, let's set on a fixed number and say this is the number we are going to agree to sale, whether I pick up any new clients from now till then, or whether I get up to 95% of my pre-COVID numbers. And honestly, I threw that out there. And most people who I talked to and counsel with said, they're never going to go for that. And I said, what do I have to lose? I mean, it's going to be $45,000 more in my pocket than what they're telling me I can make. And it's still less than what the original offer was. So they're going to be making out better because obviously once COVID is done, there's going to be no reason why these facilities cannot pump right back up. And to my shock, they said yes. And so we moved forward and closed, like I said, on Friday the 13th. So we went from April 1st initial closing date, which was a joke on me to Friday the 13th for the actual closing date. And that was back in 2020.
0: Got it. So was it, you were trying to just be flexible and get a sure thing with agreeing to that number, even though that number was below their original asking price. In- Absolutely, instead, of, yes. instead of you, instead of you trying to like kill yourself, work to the bone just to exceed or or meet a certain milestone. And you were saying just based on the the climate, right? Because of COVID, the uncertainty, the fear, people's um, unwillingness to go to offices, healthcare offices, unless it was like an emergency, right? And, and maybe mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that we do sometimes is not, Unless someone's got a lot of back pain or something, right. some of those things could maybe wait. So was it that you wanted a sure thing and that's why you suggested that number?
1: Yes, I wanted a sure thing. But also I knew that, hey, at this number, I would be fully satisfied and totally ecstatic to get out of my clinic for that amount. I didn't want to tell them, hey, you know what? What they were offering was still more, even at the lowest. They said, hey, if you stay where you're at now, which was 40% less, my the clinic was running at about 60% of what it was the previous year. And I just figured, you know what? Even if I sold it for their lowest amount, I was still going to be making out significantly more than the original sale price of the April 1st. But my thinking was, hey, you know what? Let us let me boost it a little bit and say, hey, look, I'm willing to sell it at this as a flat rate, we don't have to negotiate, well, if you meet 80% of these numbers, if you meet 70%, if you meet 90%, because I didn't want my last months at the clinic so worried about driving numbers in to satisfy a potential buyer. I wanted. I honestly just want to say, look, guys, you got to trust me that I'm going to give it what I can give it. And here's the number that we can agree upon that is fair, even if I don't make it above there. And they agreed, So it worked out well.
0: Was that something that your broker suggested? That's something that you came up with? Was that something that you had some, the family member who helped you on the legal side as a sounding board? Or was that something that you just came up with?
1: I came up with it because I was just getting sick and tired of going back and forth saying, Hey, you know what, here's the tiers for you to have to hit. And I went, you know what, I'm done with tier work. I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not sitting here trying to generate business so that I can get 70, 80 or 90% of what you say I can get. So I just sort of wanted it. I don't know if it was um, just utter frustration with the whole process at that point, or whether it was just me going, you know what, I'm going to take control here. And this is what I, this is where I want to come out of this deal with. And when they said yes, honestly, I was pleasantly surprised because I wasn't expecting them to say Yes it was significantly more than what I was anticipating getting, watching my numbers through COVID start to decrease.
0: Got it. And when Cora submitted their their first offer, whether that was a non-binding letter of intent or some, some type of a dollar amount offer, that first offer was they submitted that to you before any due diligence or any real, you know, looking under the hood of your practice, right?
1: Yes. It was all contingent based on what they would find. And what they found was all our numbers were accurate and all everything we did was perfect because I mean, shoot, I had accountants, I had the broker, we were meticulous with our numbers so that because, hey, I I knew that I wasn't, I don't want to mess over anybody and I don't want to lie and cheat. And I wouldn't have felt good about it. But when all the numbers came in, this is where it landed. This is what the broker said you can ask for. And I said, hey, you know what, it's a heck of a lot more than what I would have thought I can ask for. And so, when he asked for it, they signed the they signed the um, a letter of intent, bait contingent on their due diligence in my books and what was currently going on in the clinic.
0: Right, I'm I'm sure they wanted to see you know x amount of visits and all of the traditional metrics that make a physical therapy practice work.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh, so, in terms of the rest of the process, was the due diligence process, uh, a grind for you? Was there a lot of back and forth with that or was it fairly smooth? How did that go?
1: Honestly, it was much smoother than I thought. Obviously, they want every piece of information possible. Every piece of equipment that you own, you've got to tell them when you bought it, how old it was, the the serial numbers. But thank God you got office staff who was up to the task. I had an office manager who took on 90% of that. The financials was between me and my bookkeeper. And if needed, I had to um, draw the accountant in. I think once to explain some things, but it it is a long drawn out process. But I just said, look, I want to get this done as fast as possible, and I will be um, doing as much as humanly possible as fast as possible for you. So they were quick with all their paperwork because obviously they they have a ac- they've acquired many clinics in the past, so they they just shot out their paperwork, and I had my office manager, myself, my front office worker, and my bookkeeper fill things out within, I would get paperwork back to them in 48 to 72 hours completed. And I think they were slower in getting back to us than we were to them because I was just so much on board of going, hey, you know what, let's get this done. And actually having the COVID pandemic at the time kind of helped because The office was a little bit slower than what we were used to. So we had more free time. So got it.
0: So in terms of being motivated, like sometimes when we're, when we're speaking to practice owners, we just, we know based on if we ask, like, so if, you know, if we were to acquire practice, if we were to move forward, like, what would you be doing next? Like, are you looking to stick around for the next six to 12 months with us? Are you looking to move, travel, see more of your kids or grandkids? like start a new business, like start the next chapter of your life. It didn't sound like you like you were somewhere in the middle or or is that just my impression? Like you were somewhat motivated but it was not like you would have taken a really low ball offer at that point, right?
1: Correct. I was motivated just because it was starting to become it was become honestly it was becoming a burden on my marriage because for 7 years I was commuting most of the time. So I wouldn't suggest living three and a half hours away from your wife. And it, it was, it was taking a toll on our, our lives personally. And knowing that there was debt in the business that had to be paid off, it was just like, all right. And then having the school debt hanging over our heads as well, I was just like going, all right, you know what? If I can get out from underneath this, I know between my online business and my cash business, we will be fine. Actually, I figured we'd be making more money, which we are, than what I was when I was owning these clinics, which was becoming more of a drag on me emotionally, relationally and financially. So I was very motivated to get out of it, but I wasn't going to um, not get out of it and have something to show for it because I had put 15 to 17 years of my life into it.
0: Got it. And I know in the pre-interview, we didn't discuss, you keep mentioning the debt so much in terms of the practice. Was it renovations? Was it Uh, line of credit for payroll or, I mean, we certainly don't have to discuss it and you don't have to answer as long as you're comfortable with it. But is that something that was a a business expense? Maybe you did renovations or an expansion of an office or something?
1: Yeah, it was um, initially the first line of credit that we took out was for um, partial payroll, even though we were making payroll, we never missed a payroll and we never actually needed the money for it. It was just to give us a boost for some equipment, for some um, capital up, upgrades, and um, then just to have a nice cushion in the bank, which I always like to keep. Sure. Got it. Got it. Uh,
0: and now in terms of going back to when you, when you went back to them with the number and you said, hey, instead of all these tiers, you went back and offered, what about this number? And like, that's it. And you were a little surprised that they took that offer. Like they, they said yes to that. Yes. What if what if they had said no and you still had that, you know, that stair stepper or tiered approach? Would you it sounds like you probably still would have proceeded with the potential deal, the the potential transaction. I mean, I know hindsight's 2020. We're looking back, you know, a year and a half, two years later. If you could put yourself back into that situation, how much of that back and forth do you think you would have kept going and, and, you know, sustained versus like if they were pushing back on you? that they really wanted you to, you know, go through that they
1: hit those numbers. Tier, yeah.
0: Hit those numbers, go through the tiers that they originally had suggested or, or wanted.
1: That's a great question. I think if I'm remembering correctly back then, I had told my wife, hey, if I'm not expecting them to take it, but this isn't a deal breaker, it just means that I'm gonna have to absolutely bust my tail and do a heck of a lot more than what I'm planning on. Because I was starting at that point to build up my online business as well as work my um, cash practice, so it wasn't that I wasn't giving them my full attention as if I was this, if I was still the owner, because I was. Um, but it was I realized all right, in order to hit those tiers for them, I'm going to have to um, lay aside some of the online business and some of my cash practice, and I was willing to do it but I was so hoping I wouldn't have to and thank God that they um, agreed to the the number that I threw out there. So yeah, no, that was a great question. I, I had resigned to the fact that, all right, this is going to take its toll until November till I can sell it. And then because I was selling to a company, they obviously wanted me to stay on until I trained somebody in to transition out. So They said that could take up to six months. I said, look, I'm looking to get out of here as fast as possible. I'm not going to submarine you or do anything crazy to the business. But I also had about $60,000 that they still owed me after the closing date to make sure that things ran smoothly and that there wasn't any hiccups along the way. So I knew I was going to have to put in the time. And after that last payment came in, it was only about two more weeks that I had to give them. So I worked till early February of 2021. They started the interview process to replace me before the sale actually went through. I actually had given them three or four people's names who had wanted to work for me previously and wanted to take over the clinic for the owner who was going to buy it back in April. So I gave them those names and then they actually um, wound up hiring a different person, but much quicker than either of those two would have done it. So I was grateful. They, they were, they were honestly great to work with, but as a company, I used to tease them. I go, every time you introduce me to somebody in your company, they're a vice president of something. I said, does anybody have a non vice presidential (laughs) job in your company? I mean, working for a big corporate
0: Cora. Yeah.
1: It was like, Oh, this is the vice president of this. This is the vice president. I'm like going, and when they came in and introduced themselves, hi, I'm vice president of this region. I'm vice president. I'm like going, Is there anybody who's not a vice president who works in this company? It it was unbelievable. But hey, you know, what? when you're multi-tiered like that, when you got your in-house counsel, when you, I mean, they're huge and I could see why they need as much as they do. But it, it takes away from, to me, it takes away from what most people are trying to build in their PT clinics, a family atmosphere, a welcoming atmosphere. And it just becomes corporate. As a matter of fact, I had a person who I considered to be one of the most outstanding office managers in the area. I actually told him, I said, look, you're going to be happy if you can keep this girl happy because she can run this region for you. I guarantee you, she can run this region for you. And they were excited and they had interviewed Donna before, and she was going to stick it out. And halfway through the whole process, she looked at me, she goes, um, this is starting to get kind of a lot. She goes, They don't have anything in order. I have to tell them what we've done when they ask me for it. I go, I know. I said, that's corporate. I said, but you might be over this whole region. And she goes, I couldn't work for, she goes, it's just chaos. She is so organized. And I was like, Mm. she she could have straightened their whole system out. (laughs) I mean, seriously, that's the type of person she was. But after, after the sale went through and two weeks later, she gave her notice and actually went to go work for a good friend of mine who owns wow. three down in the Southern part of Charlotte. So, wow. um, yeah, they, they lost a gold mine just because of all the tears and all the, all the red tape that you have to go through when you get that big.
0: Uh, two more questions. One about, you mentioned some like earn out payments. So I want to circle back on that. And then also I want to okay. ask you a question about when you told your employees, cause you were asking them to, you know, kind of, uh, write up a list of, of supplies and equipment and VIN numbers. So I want to ask a question also about like when you broke the news, if they knew, if the, maybe only the director knew then, but in terms of you were saying, uh, some amount of money was paid after the transaction. So you had X amount, um, paid at closing and then some as a, as an earnout component. How was mm-hmm. that? I mean, obviously without, um, Disclosing the dollar amounts, but was it a certain was it 50-50? Was it, you know, 90% at close, and then some, you know, a little
1: 10% after that? I'm doing the math in my head. Um, it was about a fifth of it. They they paid about 80% right up front. Got and it. um the last 20% was two months after closing. I think it was 60 days after closing. Um, and according to the broker, he said that is standard. That's the way most people do it. Um, and I I was questioning their lawyer and their um CFO just saying, Look, I said, I'm a little little leery of doing this because who's to say that you guys can't just come up with some reason to say, nope, we're done. And he said, Look, he said, I'll be honest with you, we've done I forgot how many acquisitions it was dozens. It, it was dozens of acquisitions. He goes, We've never had an issue with this. It's not something we anticipate. It's just to cover our butts. Just if something should happen that is totally unforeseeable, that goes against some, something in the contract, at least we have a little bit of a cushion. So I trusted them. And then when the payment came through in January, I breathed a sigh of relief. So
0: and do you recall if that was held in escrow temporarily or. Maybe like I, it was all, like it was it was pretty much committed or it's not a big deal.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think there was a separate account for it. They just said, hey, we will cut you the check on this date or they um, they wired it to my bank on that date. So got it.
0: So yeah. it, it's funny. Your broker mentioned that that's you know, standard because some of the practice owners that we're we've spoken with, they know that either they're they've had trouble with their books, the books messy, the, this types of things where they're having their you know personal um Uh, They're like personal deductions on the, you know, business balance sheet and, you know, home Mm -hmm. purchases, personal car on on the physical therapy practices balance sheet. Uh, So some owners will even say like they they understand that it's going to be over 50 percent in some cases that over 50 percent is an earnout component or even a majority percentage. It really just depends. Right. It depends on how many locations. It depends on how profitable they've been. Like the last Absolutely. three years of their tax returns, what what are the last three years of their tax returns look like in terms of profitability? And if they've been showing a really low dollar amount of profit to minimize their tax bill. And if they've done that with, you know, legal loopholes and everything, um, then typically there will be more of an earnout percentage and less at closing versus what you had. You had the inverse, you had 80% at closing mm-hmm. and then the 20% two months later. So a lot of different ways to structure Potential. Yeah, we were just yeah, based on the I business.
1: think we were just real meticulous with yep. I, I think it was just we were so meticulous with our bookkeeping. I mean, I did have at that time, did I have my car on the books in the business? Um I think I was leasing a car at the time that the company was leasing and before the whole um, transition. I got those off the books. So they knew all, I mean, that was all categorized out. Sure. I wasn't doing, yeah, there was nothing questionable on the books that they came up with. I just, I was upfront saying, look, Hey, you know what, here's what I take. Here's what I do. And it was, yeah, I, I was always one of those types of owners. I'm the type of person who goes, Hey, you know what, if I try to cheat a little bit, I know I'm going to get caught. So I, I try to keep it as, Um, clean as possible. So.
0: Got it. So last question about when did you break the news to your employees? You had mentioned when you had to, you know, relay information to court during due diligence and they wanted, you know, a checklist of basically your inventory, like all your equipment and supplies. And they wanted descriptions of the, of the supplies and, and equipment when you purchased them. And I think you even said like the VIN number or serial number. So you, you said it was slower in your office with COVID, so it was easier to have your team members do that. Did they know that you were speaking to a potential acquirer or did you say this is just something we need to get organized?
1: No, they, everybody knew that I was in the process of trying to sell the company. I, I was upfront with everybody just saying, look, especially because the April 1st date, when that gentleman came in to visit me, we toured the clinics together. I just wanted him to see it. And I didn't tell people that I was looking to sell. I didn't want them to get nervous right. at the time, at the right right when it all started. But once he gave an offer, I said, look guys, someone has put in an offer for the clinics. I wasn't necessarily thinking I was going to sell this fast, but this is what I'm looking at. And um, my goal and what I've been promised from the original purchaser was that he was going to keep everything status quo. He wasn't going to be letting anybody go. He liked the way the books looked. He liked the way the offices were set up. And he was not planning on um, alleviating anybody of their duties. So I assured them that they had a job. Um, I said, look, if you have any questions, come to me. I will relay them to this gentleman. And if there's any problems, I will have you. He actually wound up interviewing everybody just to make sure that they understood where he was coming from. And he understood where they were and what they wanted. And then when that fell through, I told him, look, I said, I'm still going to be looking. And my number one goal is that nobody loses their job. Number two, I'm going to let everybody know who it is, when it is, when you need to contact, who you need to contact. So I was all upfront with it. Initially, because of the the rockiness and the the way they portrayed themselves to some of my employees, one of them actually left. Right before the sale, just Whoa. saying, I'm not going to work for these guys. A uh, and, a
0: licensed provider or no? No, he staff. was he
1: was a he was a um, PT trainer. He was going to be leaving within the year anyway to go to PA school, but he was very um, had a critical role in my second office, so that took a little bit of a hit. And then I told you previously that the office manager wound up giving her two week notice a couple weeks after the purchase. And from what I know now, one of my office, one of the people who was with me for about 10 years in the front office is now sort of an assistant trainer through the entire, um, region. So she moved up my other PT just left and she moved to Florida. Um, and the guy who took my place, I believe has already been replaced. So, Hey, Hey, not my. You're, headache, out, you're out. You're out. There. I'm yeah. out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had to fire or hire anybody in a while, so it's kind of nice.
0: Got it. So okay. I'm, I'm, it's it's interesting to hear this because some of the practices that I've toured and and meeting with owners, um, it's been different than what you're describing. So every owner is different. It's, there's no right. right or wrong, but um, either those owners were either maybe they were just they wanted to keep it confidential or private up to a certain point, and I'm touring and meeting with them maybe earlier in their decision-making process because mm-hmm. I, I'll meet with them. Uh, some of the owners I'm thinking off the top of my head, they're, I'm meeting with them after hours, their office is closed. And I'm getting a tour and no one's there or right. it's uh, I'm stopping in and hanging out in the lobby, but it's like, I'm there like a, like a colleague, basically, like not with not the intention of what we know between each other. Right. They do their thing. And it just, you know, a friend a a PT friend of, of the practice owner stopping in and saying, Hey, uh, so you were very open with it. Um, what advice do you have for practice owners listening or watching if they are on the fence with that? Um, cause some owners might not mention it or tell their team until like the day or the, you know, night before the closing, like way further down the process, regardless Every owner that's listening and watching, they want the same thing you wanted, which is please take care of my people. Keep my loyal, you know, my my key and loyal employees, the people that have helped, you know, build your asset and 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 help your community, right? So that's super important regardless. If someone's on the fence of, you know, hey, when should I mention it to my clinic director? When should I disclose this to my team? What it, what if they, what if the deal doesn't happen, the potential acquisition doesn't happen, but you had already told your team members that you're speaking to a potential buyer, then what? Then, then they might leave just because there's might be a shakeup and then the potential deal doesn't even happen. So if, it, if an owner's thinking that what, what advice do you have for them?
1: Um, well, I can just tell you what I did and the reason I did it the way I did the first time Um, the gentleman did come and tour, but I did, I just said, Hey, this is a friend of mine from St. Louis. So that's what I did. But once there was an agreement, I let everybody know, just simply because I looked at it this way: if I was working for somebody and busting my tail trying to help business grow, and all this sort of, uh, for lack of a better words, shenanigans going on behind the scenes of them trying to sell without telling me, and I'm busting my butt for them, and I, I'm told the night before, or the day before, or the week before that it actually happens, I would feel betrayed. I would feel like, so you couldn't trust me to make a decision for myself or a decision for the best of the company that you had to go and sort of sneakily do all this stuff. And you know what it is as a business owner, it is your right to not have to tell anybody anything until the very last second. Actually, you don't have to tell them at the last second. You could tell them, by the way, I don't own this place anymore. And that's totally your prerogative. For me, I just felt, hey, the type of person I am and knowing how I would want to be treated. That's how I um, approached my my staff and just said, look, um, if somebody is going to want to buy this in clean house, it's not going to happen. If they're telling me that they're going to keep the staff, that's a potential buyer. Just so you know, I'm not looking to get you guys replaced. I'm not looking for any of you guys to be out on the street when something happens. So that's where I was coming from. But I was also in a place where it wasn't do or die if I um, sold. So some everybody's case is different. But to me, it's like, hey, the more upfront honesty and open relationship I can have with my employees, the better the office is going to run. So I don't want to betray that trust that I hopefully had built. From my perspective, I had built it. So I didn't want um, that to come between us and the last taste in their mouth. Volk physical therapy was holy smokes Dean screwed us didn't tell us he was going to be selling and now we're sold and now we're stuck with who knows who these people are so got it
0: got it wow very interesting Dean thank you so much for your time you've been very generous I know you're super busy uh let the audience let any practitioner that's listening let them know where they can reach you online the internet email address how can they contact you if they want to reach out
1: um great and you know what it is my pleasure to do this with you Dave And any time um if you guys can reach me at sciatica relief now or you can just directly email me at dean at deanvolk dot com. And again, it's time for my vanity email. So dean at deanvolk.com. dot com. Awesome, yeah, guys, go
0: ahead and reach out to Dean. He is also doing some PT business coaching. Super, uh, super, just 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 clever, like intuitive individual. Like, and I, I'm not just saying that because you're here. We met in person in New York City a couple of years ago. Uh, you've helped me a bunch, even with like clinical questions over the years. You're doing great stuff. You're being too humble. So I want everyone to know that he's actually doing a lot of pretty much virtual and remote coaching and, you know, guidance with his physical therapy knowledge to help people long-term sciatica sufferers get out of pain. And it sounds crazy, impossible and ridiculous, but there's a, there's an approach that, He's helped kind of curate and use where you can help people get out of pain, help them show them uh, certain movements and directional preferences to relieve their sciatica. And if you guys check out sciatica reliefnow.net, I get nothing out of this, by the way, but if you go to the website, you're mm-hmm. going to see an absolute wall of testimonials and success stories, videos. Uh, the video testimonials from people all over the world, different accents. I mean, UK and Ireland and like literally like every country in the world. It's so impressive. And um, I just think, Dean, in terms of like you're were or and are a physical therapist, practice owner. Now you're in this next phase. So it's just really super cool to kind of see like your transition. And again, really grateful for your time. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. That, that means a lot from you, David. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you guys. Take care. And we'll see everyone on the next episode here on the Dave Kittle show. Bye now. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at concierge pain That's D-A-V-E at C O N c-i-e-r-g-e painrelief.com or you can call me at any time 646-781-8884